The Colorado Behavioral Health and Wellness Summit brought clinicians, educators, researchers, policymakers, and leaders in the field of behavioral health together at the University of Denver. The summit was a collaboration between the Mental Health Center of Denver, the University of Denver, and Envision U, who were gracious enough to invite the Emergency Medical Minute to record the event and share it with you all. Here is Dr. Leslie Brooks, the Chief Medical Officer at the Sunrise Community Health Center and a Medical Director for the North Colorado Health Alliance, with Heather Erick, the Coast Law Program Director at the North Colorado Health Alliance, and Dr. Meredith Silverstein, a Senior Research Associate at the Butler Institute for Families at the Graduate School of Social Work, University of Denver, and Callie Jefferson, a Research Assistant at the Butler Institute for Families at the University of Denver with their presentation on Project Colorado Opioid Synergy at Larimer and Weld, expanding treatment capacity through community collaboration, innovation, and education. Um, welcome tonight. We're here to talk about Project Colorado Opioid Synergy, Larimer and Weld County, expanding treatment capacity through community collaboration, innovation, and education. I am Cindy Dodds. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer at Sunstone Health Partners up in Larimer County. My name is Leth... Oh. Sorry. My name is Leslie Brooks, and I serve as the Assistant Medical Director for the North Colorado Health Alliance. I'm Meredith Silverstein. I am a Senior Research Associate with the Butler Institute for Families at the Graduate School of Social Work, University of Denver. Heather Eyrig with North Colorado Health Alliance, serving as a Program Director for COSLAW. So the Northern Colorado Opioid Prevention Workgroup is a workgroup that was formed about two and a half years ago. Uh, to really look at addressing the opioid crisis in Larimer and Weld counties. We really said uh, we know that there is a crisis in our communities and believe we can be part of the solution. So really did a, an outreach call to anybody that wanted to be involved and have a wide collaboration that has now been meeting for the last couple of years. So we've got our health departments, our health alliances, community mental health centers, federally qualified health care centers, other primary care clinics, law enforcement, elected officials, private citizens. So we've got a wide group and really said we want to address the opioid crisis in Larimer and Weld counties and really looking at within that community, there's a high cross-traffic pattern of people seeking care code and or being incarcerated, a criminal justice system in Larimer and Weld. So if we could find a solution for both, we really believe we would better our communities. So individually, we're one drop, together we're an ocean. Um, so as we did our work, we did a comprehensive community needs assessment and asset mapping, and from that came up with four priority network goals. The first one is to prevent misuse and optimize use of opioids. The second is to improve treatment and enable recovery for people with opioid use disorder. The third is to identify misuse of opioids and provide early intervention. And the fourth is reduce harm caused by opioid use and misuse. And as we looked at both um, doing that identification and improving treatment, we really believe those two needed to be linked together. We didn't want to just do identification if we didn't have treatment to go along and vice versa. So we really committed to having those two key priorities linked together. And as we talked as a community about where did we want to start our focus uh, efforts, we decided um, we really would target folks involved with the criminal justice system recognizing that folks coming out of jail are 129 times more likely to overdose within the first two weeks. So we really knew they were a very vulnerable population. 
And then we quickly also recognize folks coming out of the emergency department and or on the medical floor. That can be a great time to start medication-assisted treatment, so we identified that uh, population as a priority for us as well. So if we talk about um, our naloxone work group, um, we have done a number of uh, efforts, uh, really uh, champion naloxone, really how could we help people take naloxone home. So we've uh, sponsored overdose awareness days, we sponsored a harm reduction a symposium in Weld County, um, and it's, we're uh, pleased to report that we have had uh, about 4,000 naloxone kits that have gone home with folks in our communities over the last year. We are also really encouraging businesses to add naloxone kits into their ABD machines, so those are available in businesses as well. Uh, also under our strategic planning pillars uh, was provider education. Um, and we started this work with um, uh, a CDPHE grant where we really focused on, it was a prescription drug overdose uh, grant, where we really focused on uh, the CDC guidelines and making sure that our providers in Northern Colorado understood um, and got trained on safe opioid prescribing, weaning and tapering, um, intro to opioid use disorder, and introduction to medication-assisted treatment. And we did four events um, in, in northern Colorado. We went to Fort Collins, Estes Park, Loveland, and really those are our four sort of major epicenters um, in, in, in the region, um, and trained probably well, right around a little over 100 uh, pers prescribers and members of the healthcare team. We then morphed that provider education training into waiver training. And we have done and partnered with It Matters too um, to prescribe to provide waiver training uh, for the providers in our area. We have done seven waiver trainings and probably over a dozen engagements with our healthcare professionals in, in, in our hospitals at our two hospitals at Banner and, and and UC Health Hospitals in the in the area and trained well well over a hundred um, uh, providers and members of the healthcare team. Um, during those trainings. Um, we then morphed into um, uh, MAT learning forms because we all know that it's just, it's not enough for providers to get their waiver. Um, because just because you have a waiver to prescribe buprenorphine, the data tells us that, that people don't actually start prescribing and, and over half of them don't, don't actually prescribe uh, buprenorphine. So in order to address that, right, because obviously the training isn't, isn't enough, we had, we started these, um, really substance use disorders, nuts and bolts uh, conversations so that people can log in on a monthly basis and just begin to understand what what is it, how do I seek substance use disorder care in my primary care clinic. So we're doing those once a month. Um, we also, um, oh, this is done. Um, so th those are all the places where we did um, uh, engagement around, around healthcare professionals. Um, we also did a national uh, sorry, a, a regional training and brought in a national speaker, Dr. Corey Waller, um, to, 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 to host the second uh, event um, called Rethinking Addiction and engage all manner of, of healthcare provider and healthcare professional in Northern Colorado. And that, this second event really helped us to sort of move the needle on, on where we were with engagement around substance use disorder in Northern Colorado. So, so that was a really important event for us. Um, the, we then went after another grant. Um, a few of us took a trip to um, down to Denver um, to learn about um, Vermont's model of substance use disorder care, and they called it a hub-and-spoke 
model of care. Um, and there were about three or four of us who took the trip down to Denver um, and really got inspired. And on the way back, we drove together. We said, boy, do we have what it takes to stand up a hub-and-spoke model or a center of excellence for uh, for substance use disorder care in Northern Colorado. And we sort of ticked through the things that that, that, that that team, that Vermont team talked about. Do we have on the ground community-based care coordination? Yeah, we do through the, through the RCCOs and the RAIS and managed Medicaid in, in Colorado. Do we have hospitals um, who were engaged? Cindy mentioned earlier that we had um, our hospital systems in the area come to the table with us um, for our Northern Colorado Opioid Prevention Work Group. Did we have methadone clinics? Methadone clinics are a huge um, part of how we get treatment done um, for our patients with opioid use disorder. Did we have methadone clinics who were willing to come to the table? Yes, they were part of our Northern Colorado Opioid Prevention Work Group. And did we have law enforcement? Those were new and uncommon relationships for us, but we were forging those relationships um, as, as we set up this, this, this work group. So the answer to that was yes. And for us, unlike, unlike Vermont, which really was a blank slate, they didn't have any treatment providers when they started their hub and spoke model. We asked ourselves, do we have robust medication assisted treatment pr providers already in our area? And the answer was yes. And so resoundingly, when we said, boy, do we have what it takes to stand up uh, a model of excellence in Northern Colorado? The answer was yes. And so um, it just so happened serendipitously that, that SAMHSA also put out a, a request for proposals for their MAC-PADOA uh, grant. And we successfully applied for $1.5 million brought to Northern Colorado to expand access to medication-assisted treatment and opioid use disorder care in our region. And we proposed a phased approach to a hub-and-spoke model, or really what we are calling a center of excellence, um, uh, a system of excellence um, uh, for care in Northern Colorado. Phase one was close coordinated care coordination. The $1.5 million really goes to support um, a network, uh, a team of, of care coordinators, and you'll hear from Heather here in a minute. She serves as the project director for our Coast Law model. I'll describe that in a second. Um, it's a project director and four care coordinators. We, we, we've uh, increased that size to six because we've got two other care coordinators that have been donated by, by Summit Stone. Um, so phase one was close coordinated collaboration supported by care coordination. Phase two was coordinated transitions of care. So folks getting started on buprenorphine or medication-assisted treatment in our emergency departments, and then folks getting started on medication-assisted treatment in our jails and care coordinating them or supporting those individuals and getting them into, into primary care uh, was phase two. And then finally, phase three is hub operations, or how do we set up that, that center of excellence. Uh, Coast Law is uh, the Colorado Opioid Synergy Larimer and Well. That is, that is the name of our, of our network. Um, this is um, sort of a, a pictograph of the of the of the system that we envision, um, the ecosystem that we envision in Northern Colorado, with a center of excellence at, at the at, at the center, um, transition supported transitions of care from emergency departments, hospitals, and jails, um, care coordination that connects all of that together, and we envision ourselves uh, connected by a mini electronic health record called OpiSafe. It is not built yet. It is coming soon. That is phase three. It just so happens that in phase one, we completed, uh, we stood up our care coordination and we started uh, 
transitions of care, um, and we'll, we'll hear more about those. So, so we're really ahead of schedule. Um, so our center of excellence is, is, is yet to be determined. The, we already had um, robust medication-assisted treatment practices in our region, and these are our Coast Law clinics. So we have Coast Law care managers, and we have our Coast Law network of, of clinics, and these are our eight uh, practices. And you can see BHG and CTS are uh, methadone clinics, and they are represented here. Um, and we have two federally qualified health centers, two community mental health centers, and one private addiction clinic. And so that is our Coast Law uh, network of care. And I will let Heather talk about um, how, how else we've connected those folks. Sure. So these eight clinics to coming together, there's obviously variance in practice, uh, how each clinic did things. Um, uh, there was, you know, a disparity with that. However, in realizing that we all had a model of harm reduction, how do we work together to decrease the variance but yet respect each other's differences that each of us is unique, has a different approach to working with our clients, and yet we can all work as an integrated network. Um, really this model also helping the individual find the level of care that works for them uh, with that. So the appropriate care for each patient um, that we believe that relapse is a part of recovery. Um, unfortunately, however, we honor people and encourage them to keep coming back. As Leslie spoke to, this is my team. I serve as a project director, and we have four care coordinators, uh, five care coordinators, pardon me, that are currently working. We have a six that will be starting in November, and they are each assigned to uh, two of the current COSAL uh, network clinics that they really become the resident experts that work directly with these clinics two to three days a week, um, meeting with their clients, taking referrals in to the clinics from either the jail or the emergency departments, and being that contact then for that clinic amongst the other networks as well. We have weekly team meetings uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday mornings to discuss our work, to discuss our progress, our goals objectives and then the big picture of the work going on in the area. We um, realized that we needed one um, unified tool um, based on evidence-based practice to evaluate each client upon intake, utilize the treatment needs questionnaire, um, and also have intake forms that each of the Coast Law members complete with their client. So we're comparing um, likes when we look at overall grant objectives. The biggest feature here, I believe, is the COSAL number is we have a one-call number. The big thing we heard loud and clear is if we wanted this to be successful, we needed a one-call, one-stop shop, easy number for access for anyone. Um, initially, this started off as a resource that providers were using, so emergency department staff, um, clinic staff, if they had referral, would call this number. It has since taken off and has become, you know, huge in the community that we are now receiving um, a number of calls, primarily from people in the community saying, I've heard about your program, today's the day, I want help, can you help me? Um, and that has been huge. We're able to get them access to treatment services, usually the same day or the next day, and one of my care coordinators meets with them for that first appointment, so they have the warm handoff and then that ongoing relationship throughout their journey. Um, really working as well to reduce any barriers that they might have to make their um, recovery successful. Addressing transportation, addressing housing, um, any of those needs are addressed when we meet with the client. 
Uh, when they call, that comes directly to me. Um, I then triage the call to the appropriate um, setting. Uh, looking from a demographic perspective, this could be where the client happens to live, but it also could be what clinic might work best for them um, based on their level of use or based on what they feel they're ready for. Are they looking for a model that um, integrates counseling right away or right now are they just really wanting medication-assisted treatment first until they get you know, the cravings settled, they feel more control of their lives and then want to integrate counseling into the medication-assisted treatment at that point, knowing that from a large holistic perspective, treatment and the medication go hand in hand in the recovery journey. Um, within my team, one of my care coordinators, Caleb Eddy, uh, each month I ask the care coordinators to share um, kind of one of those great successes, one of those great saves that they had with one of their members. Uh, this was a gentleman who he had been working with, but was unfortunately going to be having a surgery down in Denver. Um, he was obviously going to be discharged potentially on narcotics for his pain control. He was trying to work through that stress. And really, he was homeless. He had nowhere to go after this procedure. And like happens all too commonly uh, within emergency departments or post-op, he was discharged um, essentially to the street. He found a shelter that he could stay at but was not getting his needs met as far as wound care, dressing changes. Um, he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't, you know, did not have the mobility to care for himself. And within that homeless shelter, he really didn't have the ability to get the services he needed. So Caleb worked with him. He uh, was able to find a sober living facility in northern Colorado, helped with transportation to get him up here, and then... Um, had services brought to him, had the wound care specialist brought to him, had the um, nursing staff brought to him. He then started um, ongoing therapy at Front Range Clinic and has to date been probably seven months sober now and is now looking to be to go back to school and make this his calling to share his story with others in the community. Uh, the other success story that Caleb shared is um, we work within, you know, our at North Colorado Health Alliances are where our office is based. And he had, you know, a fellow employee actually pull him aside and said, hey, I have a problem and I need help. Um, he worked with them to get um, some services. They disclosed that they had a methamphetamine issue, brought in treatment services for that. Uh, so not just specific to the opioid use. Um, but since then, she has had, you know, great success in her sobriety. Getting that under control, too, allowed her to then explore things that she was probably just not ready to deal with. Um, she's um, being able to come out being transgender. She got into group therapy. She started counseling services um, to address her gender dysmorphic disorder and has been started on hormones. So, again, two months sober um, and doing exceptionally well in that community now. So medication-assisted treatment in the Larimer County Jail. So that is one of our pillars in terms of transitions of care. So we were um, fortunate to be able to work with the Larimer County Jail. Um, so really looking at that about 63% of sentence inmates meet the criteria for a substance use disorder compared to 9% in the general population. About a third of heroin users make up about a third of the jail population and are untreated while incarcerated. Nearly three-quarters relapse upon release. 
And courts have really mandated that MAT needs to be in the standard of care and folks need to have access to that. So within the Larimer County Jail, recognizing it, that, that it was the standard of care, Larimer County said, we want to do more than just provide MAT uh, in the jail. We want to have that be sustainable. And to do that, we really are going to need a whole community network because really the, the change is going to happen after they get out of jail. So we had a, a wide stakeholder group that came together that said, how do we establish an MAT program for the Larimer County Jail? So um, we got together, we started meeting, and really said we want to, first we thought, let's uh, think big, start small, and thought we might start with the subpopulation and, and maybe just one form of um, medication-assisted treatment. But quickly through this work, really decided we wanted to uh, think big and start big really believing that we wanted to open up medication-assisted treatment to anybody that had an opioid use disorder coming into the jail um, and wanted to make sure that we supported all FDA-approved uh, forms of MAT and also have naloxone at release. So um, this is a, a map of, of what we put together. Um, our program kicked off in April, um, and to date we have either maintained or induced clinic on Thursday, but we're close to 300 people at this point, which is a very impressive number. So again, if you come into the Larimer County Jail, you are assessed at booking, and if you are interested in MAT but not currently on it, you will be induced. Um, if you come into the jail and we're on it, you will be maintained. Um, so that is the buprenorphine, uh, injectable naltrexone, um, and then we'll do naloxone at release, uh, naltrexone, methadone. In addition to that, we're offering jail-based counseling. It is not required, but our jail-based counseling staff will outreach to those folks that are on MAT and see if they're, they're interested. And we are having a great success rate in people that are very interested. I think we've had uh, less than maybe 10 folks that have said they didn't want to participate in jail-based counseling. In addition to that, we do care coordination, and that really is the place that I think is the key to making the difference. Lieutenant Schaefer, who's been a, a key leader within the jail, really said if she had to do this over again, she would have made sure we had more care coordination from the start. So I think this is an area you really cannot underestimate. Um, and as Dr. Brooks talked about, when we had Dr. Corey Wallerow, um, national expert, and we're talking about our program, I often say we have one of the best programs in the state and arguably one of the best uh, programs in the country. He stopped as we were presenting, and based on our numbers, he said, at this point, you guys are second, we'll make a little So we're, we're pretty excited about what we've been able to create. Um, and again, uh, doing continuation and induction. Um, and really that care coordination. So if, you, if we think about what we're doing in the jail, maybe phase two, it is that piece of how do we increase our care coordination, moving from a care coordinator that's been in um, a couple times a week to having a full-time care coordinator, and then really engaging those systems that work with folks post-release. So pre-trial sentencing, community corrections, uh, work release, those are really the systems now that we're, we're working with to make sure that folks are successful as they leave the jail. Uh, the other piece uh, we noted that was really a volatile population that was needing assistance is that person discharging from the emergency department. So the patient may start uh, coming into the emergency department really wanting um, treatment at that time. Um, you know, they've been a long time, perhaps heroin user, and today was the day they are seeking treatment. Or, uh, on the other hand, perhaps this is the person that a provider is seeing quite frequently for pain control or pain needs, 
and perhaps has an opioid use disorder and mentions treatment at that time too. So our treatment partner, our um, emergency partners, both Banner Health, who has three um, facilities in Greeley, Loveland, and Fort Collins, as well as UC Health, again, likewise, three um, hospitals in those uh, three cities, came together and said, we're absolutely willing to do this, um, that you have a one-call system that will work. We're willing to give that first dose of medication.